We ready? We're on? Tape's rolling? Okay. The other day, it was about almost a year ago, I had the phone and I heard this shrieking voice on the other end of it say, but my mom is a good woman. Why won't God heal her? It was just shrieking on the telephone. And she was very out of control from the emotional trauma. And in the next few minutes, my heart sank because I understood why they'd cut her mother open. Very good Christian. Full of cancer. You know, you're on a phone and you're hearing this report and they're calling you for answers. Well, with one hand, I'm holding the phone. And with the other hand, I'm packing for India for the first time. You know what I'm talking about? We're leaving the next day. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my goodness. And I opened my mouth, and out of my mouth came, good doesn't get you saved, and good doesn't get you healed. I immediately said, let me tell you what I've seen a lot of good people die. I put a lot of people in the ground, people believing in healing, people knowing about healing. I've seen a lot of unusual things happen. Let's talk about what does get you healed because good isn't the answer to getting into heaven and good isn't the answer to getting healed. You know, in fact, I've seen some awful, foul people get healed and I've seen some very good saints die. You know what I'm talking about where you look at someone and think, I cannot believe they were one of the best Christians that I know. We had this lady in Dallas called Crazy Betty. Crazy Betty wore curlers all over the apartment complex and her platinum blonde hair. Crazy Betty was still doing drugs at 50 years of age. And if anybody did Crazy Betty wrong, she would lure you into her apartment with all of her friends present, beat the snot out of you. She'd gone to jail for this a few times. And then have all of her friends, when the police came, said, Betty was at the party with us. She didn't do anything. Just because the person's laying in the closet. I'm not kidding you, her husband was sticking wires down his throat thinking he had swallowed cockroaches and trying to dig them out. Crazy Betty was her own unique version of craziness. She would walk around the apartment complex and there was just something I liked about the lady. Of course she was from a Pentecostal background. She cursed God. That's why she used GDs every single other word. I mean, out of her spirit came abundant living water. I'm sitting at the trash can and God speaks to me. Crazy Betty had been cut open in her abdominal area. had been very swollen for quite a few years. I thought it was fat. I didn't realize it was cancer. We're standing at the trash cans. That's the one that I tell you about that God said, if you will pray for her, I'll heal her. Well, you know, you would like to say, come to my apartment. Let me lure you into my apartment. I'll get all my crazy friends. No. <laughs> I feel like the Lord says, you do it right here. And I was like, of everybody in this apartment complex and I put my hand on her and with the loudest voice it kind of shocked me I was like I curse this cancer in the name of Jesus I curse it at its roots and you know you feel like a fool I mean you're standing there cars are going by and crazy Betty is shocked out of her mind <laughs> you know it wasn't too many days after that she went to the doctor they opened her up not a stitch of cancer and she is like, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. It sounded so funny coming out of her mouth. I mean, I just, it was just shocking to hear her do that. Crazy Betty got healed. And you have a little something in you to say, why was it so easy for Crazy Betty? I mean, I've done that before. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, Crazy Betty is instantly healed. She's screaming. I mean, we never did hear her use God's name in vain after that again. And every time it was rolling down that window going, God healed me! I mean, he healed me! And she was screaming. She told me, I thought you were a literal fool when you laid hands on me at the 
apartment. I thought that made two of us. And so anyway, <laughs> crazy Betty got her healing. Good doesn't get you saved, and good doesn't get you healed. It's a funny principle in God's word. You know, I had a lady on the phone about a week ago, and she told me, you know the reason that baby's not healed, it's crippled? And I said, uh, like to know, she said, well, you've got to be without spot or blemish or wrinkle. And something in my spirit just grieved, and I go, not so. You do not, there's nowhere you can find in the Bible that you've got to be without spot or wrinkle to get a healing. I remember the first time I ever thought about this, I was sitting with a lady, and she was one-armed. I think I always meet the unusual type. And she had lost her arm from cancer in her 30s, and they had done radiation treatments and stuff. She was in Irving, and she was a nursery worker, and I was sitting there talking to her, and she said the most amazing point of my life was that they did not know I was pregnant during the time they did the radiation, and they did a lot of stuff, cut a lot out. And so anyway, when the doctors found out they had been given the radiation over the fetus, they said they could just imagine what they had done for five months of radiation, yes. And so they immediately recommended an abortion. And so the lady, I don't know if she was a Christian or not, but she said, no, I, I do not want the child aborted. And they said, we're telling you, it's, you know, you just, you, the, the kind of, stuff they were giving her. I mean, when you cut off an arm, it was in a very serious stage. I looked at her. She said, did you know my baby was born 100% well? He was totally, she said, I look at my son, and I am so thankful I did not abort. I said, you know what? Your son is a miracle. I said, I, that boy must have a calling on his life. I mean, I was having a hallelujah party sitting there listening to this story. I didn't know if she was saved or not. She looked at me. She said, my son's in prison. And it took me aback more than anything else because I started thinking through. I've seen several people, what I'd call near-death experiences. I don't know if you want to say they were dead or they were very close to it, but it was in a very bad situation. And those are the ones that we've seen that I started counting up the other day that were, quote, raised up from, I'd say, the throes of death, very close to death. You know what? None of them are serving the Lord to this day. I mean, does it make sense to you? I'm not saying that everyone that gets healed doesn't serve the Lord, but I'm saying there's also this area that healing's a funny thing. It's not based on our merits. Then what is it based on? What gets it? I mean, am I telling you the badder you are, go out of here, be bad, you'll get healed more typical than a church person? No, it's a principle that sets forth in the Bible, and I thought we'd kind of go into what does it. Where's justice in life? You know, sometimes I get shocked at who gets healed and who doesn't. I want you to learn one thing very clearly when we get started on the issue of healing. And when you write this down, is God is moved by faith. God is not moved by need. You know, when people say, well, there's starving babies in third world countries. Where's their God? Why would he allow suffering? The one thing you start realizing that just because I have a need doesn't make God move. God is not motivated by our need. He's motivated by one thing, and I think if we'll go into Scripture, I can kind of prove this. Faith gives something for God to work with. He doesn't just help me just because I need it. In Mark 10, verse 46, you probably know the parable of where the blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting there, and it points out very clearly in this Scripture that Jesus was leaving Jericho. 
He had finished his business there. He had no intention of healing Bartimaeus from what we can indicate from Scripture. In fact, I think that's what the writer, the point he's making is. He was leaving. His job was done. He was out of there. And all of a sudden, something stopped him. Bartimaeus starts screaming, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, you see faith stopped Jesus. Verse 51, a strange thing that Jesus did to a lot of those guys was he would say, what do you want me to do for you? Well, when you're looking at a blind man, it's not really hard to guess. What prayer request are we looking at? But it's almost something that, you know how we talked about he knows but ask? Remember our old little saying, why does Jesus say God knows everything but ask? Well, you're staring at someone blind and all of a sudden Jesus goes, what do you want God to do for you? Or, or another occasion, he goes, are you willing to be made well? And you just want to say, of course. But it's almost like there's something in there that God or Jesus is pulling out of you that it's not that your need motivates him, but it's something inside of you that he's pulling up, and it's called faith. If need doesn't stop him, how does faith stop him or get his attention when we're living in a time when Jesus is not with us physically walking around in the flesh. You know, healing's fun. It's real fun to say, I believe in healing. When I get a sinus infection in my bed, I want to say, leave me alone, I want three days to sleep. Forget healing. <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's easy to say you believe in it until you feel sick. And when you feel sick, you don't feel like anything to do with healing. Look at Psalms 103. Some scriptures in the Bible, it almost feels like they mock me. Psalms 103, verse 3. In the same passage, and there's several of these where there are Hebrew parallelism, Isaiah 53, and all these different places that it brings up the cross, it says, I don't want to forget any of God's benefits. He's the one who forgives all of my iniquities, all those sins of the youth that David were talking about. If he does that, then the next one says, and he heals most of my diseases. No, it's shocking. It says he heals all of my diseases. You start seeing healing through the New Testament. <laughs> you know, and you know what we do? We get in theology class and we say, well, in the Old Testament, God, instead of it being Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that healeth thee, we're preaching Jehovah Rapha, I was the Lord that healeth thee, I was the Lord that was your healer. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever on every subject but healing. I mean, there's things that we say it's a new and better covenant, but whoops, we lost healing out of it. And so we start looking at things that mock us. And the first time you bury someone believing in healing, I'm telling you, sometimes I'd like to just tear out the verses out of the Bible and say the only thing I believe in is what I can't see, and that's called eternity in heaven. Healing something that it either works, gang, or it doesn't work. And it mocks you, looks you in the face, and it's like, it's still there. And you're trying to figure out, what is it that God's want? Let's look into some methods of healing. Three methods. I'm going to attempt. I'm going to attempt to show you the difference between something that I think gets very confusing between churches who do believe in healing and those who don't believe in healing of where the clarification needs to come. First of all, there's a thing called the gift of healing. And there's a second type of healing called the covenant of healing. And I think by distinguishing the difference between these two will answer a lot of theological questions for you on healing. Both require a dimension of faith. 
And then third, we're going to come up and do a backup cleanup committee thing. And when neither the gift of healing works nor the standing for the covenant works, I'm going to come back with my answer for what to do when nothing seems to work, point number three. So, Good Baptist Sermon, one, two, three points. First one, we're going to go into gifts of healing. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 through 9, they say there are nine gifts that the Holy Spirit gives on believers. It names something here, it contrasts, probably in this gift, I'm not going to separate the gift of healing out from the gift of faith. They work kind of arm in arm. And the principle with the gift of feeling is you... Uh, with the gift of, Don't go by feelings. Okay, with the gift of healing, the principle that you've got to go by is find someone that has the gift. That's the point of what this scripture is going into with the rest of this verse. In other words, it's the, i got to get to Jesus so bad I will tear the roof off to get to him. It's the, Elijah, I've got to find Elijah, my son's dead, I've got to get the prophet. Or Naaman, you mean there's a prophet in Israel that can heal? you got to be kidding. I want him to come out and wave something over me. And so you try to find someone with the gift. And it actually is a gift. It's unusual how God does it, but he bestows gifts of healing on people. It, I mean, to me, I, I just stand in amazement that God honors us with his Holy Spirit. I stand in amazement that God puts a gift of healing on anyone. That is a tremendous thing that God honors us with his presence. And if you've ever been around the gift of healing, I just think, I cannot believe that God trusts us. Guys, we look at the salvation message, and I think God trusts us with this message. He left and left the job in our hands. Gift of healing. He actually puts it on people. Now, this gift of faith is the only way an unbeliever has of getting a miracle. I want you to think about that. There's no chance in the world for an unbeliever over in... India, to get a healing unless someone is operating in this gift. You've got to bring it to them. You understand? You've got to bring it for them. When they hold up their Quran and you're holding up your Bible and Elijah, who do you serve this day? All of a sudden, you're bringing in a message of a gift of healing. It's their only chance. You remember the state school girl I told you about where the baby had the tumor? And you know, theologically, she knocked me off really bad because everyone else thought she was praying for the headache and we were really praying for a baby with a tumor, and she says it's the size of a, yeah. And so anyway, I'm sitting there thinking this baby's going to die. It's going to run the Bible study. You know, you're having all these great <laughs> faithful thoughts, you know. And so you're praying, and I asked the girl, I said, would you like to ask Jesus in your heart? No. And I'm like, well, forget you. <laughs> I mean, we give healing along with this package deal. You can't get rid of Jesus. I mean, and I felt like the Lord said, go ahead and pray for her. You remember in the next week, the girl came and picked me up and was carrying me around, screaming, my baby got healed. Who was ready to get saved that week? I mean, I cannot say I had any faith on my part. I'm saying it was all God. I, I was impressed with him because there was nothing he was using inside of me. But that girl got saved. It's an amazing thing. It, it really works with an unbeliever. It's like with Crazy Betty. I mean, it cleaned up her mouth without me ever saying, you're offending my God and me both. All of a sudden, the gift of healing is for a purpose, and that's to point people to, no, who? Jesus. And a lot of times, the way he does it, he does it in such a way, you're not very impressive. 
He does it in such a way that you know it could have been no one but God. It's a shock. The gift of healing is tremendous how it works. It's a real funny thing. You realize you're in a realm that's beyond you. You have nothing to Have you ever tried to heal a fly? Never been able to do it. Pull a wing off. Try to grow one on. It doesn't work. But it's people come up to you, and God honors you with his presence where something like that can happen in your life. Unusual thing, gifts, gift of healing. Get the word gift, circle it in your Bible, highlight it, cut it out, paste it on your wall. It is gift. Do you realize gifts are not earned, okay? It's not earned on either side of the equation. Does that make sense? The person ministering it and the person being ministered to don't earn it. It's a funny thing that'll happen. A lot of times there'll be a pull on you, and I've seen a lot of unusual distributions of this gift. Y'all, I have to admit, I don't think I've seen anyone normal. <laughs> they either have a funny voice, they wear funny clothes, they come from a funny place on earth. Gifts of healings are not normal. I don't know why John the Baptist has to wear camel's hair and eat locusts, but there's something about these guys. They're in another realm. They're out there on a wave. They roll around under the bell tires prophesying. You remember? <laughs> so, I mean, there's something about these gifts that I think our mortal flesh almost can't handle them. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful or stuff, but I sat there on TV when I was growing up, and I looked at Catherine Coleman. If you've ever heard of her, Daughter of Destiny, you need to read the book. And I asked Mom, is she a witch? <laughs> now, this was not good discernment on my part. It's just anybody that speaks with a lisp and goes, Holy Spirit, and she waves up, and her dress comes up with it because it has these flowing stuff down. You know, Mother, theological person she was, just started walking with the Lord for about three years, looked at me and said, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, these people with the gifts are very unusual people. I'm not, I have no problem with people having a problem with some of them. They, they're really, really, I don't know what God does it for. You know, I really didn't like Catherine Coleman until I read her book. And then I started understanding she was born with the lisp. She just liked theatrical dresses, and she waved and talked about the Holy Spirit because she had a life that she lived in solitude, and she didn't want him offended. I was at Southside Baptist, and I was talking on, I think, the Philippines trip, and a lady told me, she said, it's funny you mentioned Catherine Coleman. She said, I had a cripple in my town that went to her meeting and was instantly healed and ran down the aisle, and it shocked everyone in the town. And I said, she said it, not me. That's Catherine. I mean, really, it's a shocking. She wrote a book called I Believe in Miracles, and it's documented cases. Y'all, she's unusual. There's a man, if you ever get a chance to read Smith Wigglesworth, just sometimes don't you sit in Bible class and just want to shake your faith up. You just want to think, man, there's got to be more to it than this. And you just want to radical so you slip over here once a month. And then you, you know, by your senior year, you kind of get the bug. But it, it's, it's Smith Wigglesworth, the one that it bit me off. Smith Wigglesworth was this type of guy. And you ask him to pray over the, the food, and it, I don't know where he stands theologically. They also get weird on things. They'll tell you not to wear earrings or something if they're in deliverance. or You know, they have each test their thing. But anyway, Smith Wigglesworth <laughs> sat there, and I, he goes, Lord, they've asked me to bless this foul pork who you've cursed. How can I bless something that you've cursed? Amen. <laughs> I mean, Smith Wigglesworth was known for he was a brazen, crazy sort of guy. He was an illiterate, I 
plumber. He's the one that locked his wife out for going to church. He could not read. And the Lord taught him to read by reading his Bible. A crazy man in the 1800s. Y'all, what he is known for is raising the dead. Now, I like that. That's cool. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that is something that it's in a realm most of haven't reached yet. It is just a cool realm. In the mission field, you need it in your back pocket. They bring you cases that don't look like they're breathing. And so anyway, Smith Wigglesworth would do this thing. Y'all, I'm telling you, documented. He would pull them out of the coffin, and he would throw them against the wall. Now, theologically, before you go down to Davis Morris, I just want to cover an issue with you. It may be a lack of faith on my part, but 1800s, they were not embalming them. And I believe life is in the blood that may be stupid. Maybe you believe God can turn the water into wine. God can put their blood back in. I don't know. I've never heard of it being done once they're embalmed. If you're going to raise them, raise them with the blood in there. If you raise somebody, otherwise call me. I'm interested. <laughs> I've, I've, I've taken notes on this subject. I still think it's because he was in the 1800s. But they were good and dead. They'd been dead two or three days laying in the, you know how they used to put them quarters in the eyes or something and lay them out and everybody would cry and light candles. All right, so he would go into this house. They said that one man didn't come alive on his first throw. <laughs> he did it three times. The room had left. It was empty. <laughs> I'm telling you, and the guy came back. Smith Wigglesworth had a name all by himself in the annals of his revival. England's revival, did, why does God do it? I don't know, but it brought revival all over England. It was just like, where is England's revival today? Oh, they're lost. It's one of the hardest mission fields there is. But there were men like Smith Wigglesworth and these different kind of men that were crazy men for the Lord. Come on in, Jason. I've been praying for you. The other day, I watched him hopping along on a leg because he had hurt one of his legs. And I, I saw him in the cafeteria, and I said, if he didn't come to Bible study, I was going to break the other one. I kicked him. So anyway, we're glad to have you. We're talking about gifts of healings. We're in the wild stuff tonight. There's another guy, before we leave Smith Willsworth, I want to tell you, is A.A. Allen. He held miracle crusades in the 50s. Write this down theologically. Work this one out. He would, he would get so drunk before his healing crusades, documented, They'd have to sober him up to get him out on the stage. That doesn't fit my theology. It doesn't make sense to me. It's called the fact that a gift is not earned, especially under gifts of healing. It just, it's an amazing thing God does with the Spirit of God that he trusts us. Now, when he gets to heaven, I thoroughly believe he's going to have to answer for what he did with his life. But it's amazing that they had documented cases. I pray that y'all don't go out and think that you can live really wild and get healed the easiest. That is not the point we're making. It's an amazing thing that the gift of healing works with human people. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, whose faith does it depend on? Either person can make the pull in the spiritual realm. All right, look in Mark uh, 5, verse 30. I was looking at this. There's something funny about the gift of healing. You never know when it's going to work. It's a, it's a funny kind of gift. I think Jesus is the only one that I ever saw that 100%. That he'd go into a town and clean out the town. It says that Jesus would go into a town and he healed them all. 
But one thing about it, when it does work, you know it. It's those dramatic kind of crazy kind of healings. They're kind of the gift of healing miracles or those showy kind of miracles. It's the one that you see where the hernia disappears or the something disappears. It's a crazy kind of miracle that happens. Mark 5, verse 30, y'all, this is an incredible scripture. It's where I think people get weird. I've told you there's lots of weird people out there. I'm not justifying them. I've just always had this saying, you do it right. You know, I don't care if everybody I know does healing weird, whatever. I just tell you, you do it right. You take your Bible and live this thing with integrity. You do it right. I don't care if everybody's misusing the gifts of the Spirit. Don't throw the baby out with the wash water. You do it right in your life. They're given by God. I'm not going to say anything that God gives is wrong or evil or above the devil or I don't need it. Who am I? He is God. Some of the stuff he does, like casting out demons, this may surprise you, is not the way I would have done it. But he's God. I'm not. I just do what he says. And the Bible was written by him, and you've either got a choice of cut some of it out or say, I'm going to believe it. Interesting thing that happens is that it says that Jesus actually perceived that the power left his arm. Some people that talk about it, they actually can feel a release in the spiritual realm. He didn't even know that someone had been healed. It's a woman with the issue of blood. She touched the hem of his garment, but it pulled a pull on him in the spiritual realm. It's interesting. Sometimes it's the faith of the one doing the healing so that it's an unbeliever. It doesn't matter. They're praying. And so the, the gift will work whether that person believes or not. Sometimes that person's all messed up, drunk, crazy, whatever. But because God's there and that person has faith, it'll pull it from them. Even like when Jesus was going along and didn't even realize that he was being pressed on each side, one touch in that situation was different than the other touch, and he felt a pull on one of the touch. Why? What did she have? Was she yanking on his hem? Did she feel that? What she, he felt that what? Faith pull. If I'll just touch his hem. She said it, she drew a line in the spiritual realm and said, tonight's my night for my miracle. I see it. All right, this kind of healing travels through space. That's an interesting concept. You remember the Canaanite woman, her daughter wasn't there with her? You know the centurion, he said, just speak the word. The same hour the servant was instantly healed. It's amazing to me. And Jesus looked at him and said, you've got greater faith than anyone in Israel. Wow, what was the concept? Because he understood that Jesus could just speak and that that went out into... What Jesus is the Word, and the Word healed him. It's amazing the concept of when Jesus just spoke, it traveled through space, and it did something. Interesting. Let me say one more thing about traveling through space. You'll hear people say, I'm just standing in proxy. It's an old-timey term for saying I'm standing in the gap or I'm standing up for you, and you get prayed for for someone else. All right. It can touch tangible objects. Y'all, I didn't write this, but in Acts 19.12, they anointed cloths. I don't sell handkerchiefs, okay, to raise money that are anointed. You get it? But there's nothing wrong with anointing something physical. Yeah, no, no, not that far, Arlen. But you actually, they anointed handkerchiefs. Y'all, there's nothing wrong with it. It's biblical. I'm sorry about the people abusing it. But there must be power in it. Acts 5.15, y'all, this one's really weird. 
a man's shadow passed over. And the shadow. Oh, man, they were all upset. You can tell whoever, when Luke was writing Acts, he was excited. He was like, handkerchiefs, shadows. I mean, healing's coming, gang. This is, this is really not your typical way of doing it. Place your hand on the TV. Get in agreement with prayer. I'm not saying it's altogether wrong if the Holy Spirit's there and it's a pool of faith. You're looking at God. There is not a man on this earth that can heal anything. They asked me at the state school, do you believe that you can lay hands on the sick and heal somebody? I didn't know whether to say yes because I knew what they meant or no because I can't heal anyone. Do you see what I'm saying? So I marked it out and put God can. That's when I go see the psychiatrist. That second coming upsetting. The gift of healing. Anointing the pillow. That old booger of a man sleeping beside you because he's your husband. And so you reach over and you put oil on him while he's asleep. Your roommate, you don't, they don't know, you know? Okay. How many times has Vita been anointed? Okay. It's a unique form of faith that goes beyond saving faith. Y'all, we do a lot of talking about I have faith, I have the faith. And it's the saving faith we're talking about. We're not talking about this form of faith that all of a sudden, suddenly you know. It's something that happens. Y'all, you don't think what I'm telling you is important. This is the most important thing. All of a sudden you have a conviction, and I know that 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 comes over you. That is the gift of faith, and it has happened in your spirit. I'm going to tell you a horror story. That's why I'm belaboring that point. It's something that happens inside of you, and you know it's all right. Acts 3, verse 3 through 9. I'm going to bounce my horror story off of a scripture. Acts 3, 3 through 9. They're walking by Gate Beautiful. They grab this man by the hand, and it says they seized him. And in the way that you read it, you realize that the seizing of the man is before the man's healed, they yanked this crippled man up. And they said that they looked at him in verse 9, and they could perceive that they had faith in the name. So, in other words, it says the apostles saw their faith and they grabbed, y'all, I'm telling you, it takes guts to do what we're talking about where all of a sudden something comes over you and you grab the situation and you pull it up before it's manifested. I'm telling you, it's harder to do than you think. When you're looking at something and before it's happened, you realize that they could fall back to the ground or crumple or whatever. It's a seizing by Faith. A healing takes guts and it takes an I know that you know. Smith Wigglesworth used to do something. I'm not saying it's in Acts or Matthew or Mark or Luke, and that's where I like to look. But he did get documented for punching tumors. And he, at times he would take someone with a protruding tumor and he would punch them in the stomach and instantly the tumor would be break and they would be fine and healed and whole. I'm going to tell you something, though. A man, and this is what I call a borrowed anointing, San Antonio, Texas, friends of ours, had a kid, had a tumor, had something like that, punched him in the stomach, he went into convulsions, and he died in the church. You think they'd wreck a church? See what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying, what did I tell you? I said, it's something that comes over you, and you know that you know that you know. Do you see what I feel inside? I, have, I want it with everything in me, but I'm scared with everything in me. Does it make sense? Because it's not a fear. 
It's a fear of the Lord that I've got to be exactly in with God in this. This is not a crazy go out. I read about someone that did it. You know the thing about Smith Wigglesworth? He stayed up all night long praying before he ever went into a situation. I think that's where we're losing it in our prayer life. I think we sit there and it's mechanical. The Bible says to do it, lay hands, blah, blah. Oh, I'll punch him. It feels good. Y'all, I saw a lady in India, remember I told you, the big tumor? I knew she couldn't be pregnant. She was so old. I mean, through my mind was running. Punch it, punch it, punch it. And I was like, no. I don't have that thing inside of me of I know that I know I don't want to kill a Hindu. She's not saved. I know that I know that I know. That's not where God's led me. He spit on them and put clay on them and poked in their ears and put mud on their eyes. I mean, Jesus had his own unique way of dealing with it. Dipping them in the river, naming. I mean, you had, it's, none of it was very ethical or conventional is the word I'm looking for. It's an I know. It's a very serious thing I'm talking about. It's something inside of you where something grabs you and you know it. But it's hearing God. It's not mechanical. It's not barring someone's anointing. It's not reading about something and doing it unless you're reading about Jesus and he's putting it down in your spirit. Usually this kind of healing is an instant healing or they begin to, under the gift of healing, they begin to mend at the moment that they're prayed for. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28 is an odd scripture, and everybody uses this verse to say not everybody gets healed. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, he's still on the subject of the gift of healing. And he says, all are not workers of miracles. All are not healers. Y'all take the context of the verse. Remember he says, here are the nine gifts of the Spirit. And he goes down the list and he goes, hey, the foot needs the hand and the eye needs the, you know how he's doing this whole thing. The point he's making in this verse is, hey, not everybody is a worker of miracles, a gift of here in the church circle. He's saying in the church. But he says, go to the one you need to get what you need. Do you see the point of the verse? It's not sitting there focusing on the fact all don't have it. What Paul's focusing on is we're the body of Christ. We need each other. So his point that he's making in this passage, I was looking over it tonight, the point he's saying is go to someone that's got the gift. And guys, there are people that literally have a gift of healing. They've done it a lot more than I've ever understood. And there's actually something in their life where they've got the faith for it. And so the context of the passage is, if you don't have these things operating with you in the church, go find someone that does. The point is getting the help. It's an interesting verse here because the point Paul's making is the hand needs the eye, and you need each other. You're not independent. And to see, we take that verse and try to say, well, I don't have everything there is, so I don't need everything there is. And the point he's saying is go to someone that does and get what you Need. It's a wrong focus on what they're doing with that verse. It's actual. There are people who have an actual gift for healing. Now, word of caution, word of warning. There are fake gifts out there. Everywhere that God has real gifts, the devil has counterfeit gifts. And there's such a thing as white witchcraft in people. I've had people that are so-called Christians tell me, well, if it's healing and it's good and they get healed, it's okay. And I'm like, bad theology. You know, no, 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 no. You don't go to the devil. You know, the devil doesn't heal anybody. He puts it on them and he pulls it off of them and they thank the African witch doctor. 
that witch doctor did not heal them. The devil only removed what he did to come back in another time, and you watch it. Anytime those people get into witchcraft, they'll die a worse death somewhere else. Death is always the end of a witchcraft experience. I was in the Philippines, put up a sign. We're having a healing crusade. Next to my sign is faith healers. And I'm like, Malou, what is this? She said, they go in and they use psychic surgery. It's big in South America. It's big in the Philippines. It's big in China. It's on TV. And they operate in you by using the mind power. God doesn't do it by the mind. This is not Christian science. It's not Jehovah Witness where you sit there and say, illness does not exist. Bull kill you. <laughs> I mean, people are sitting there thinking as Christians that we're sitting there, disease does not happen. I am, a, that is not what it's saying. It's not of sitting there with no snot coming down and going, I don't have a cold. <laughs> what you're saying is, my cold is not as big as my God. And you're saying, I may be sick today, but that's subject to change in Jesus' name. I've got a power bigger than what the problem is. But it's not, y'all, there is a big difference between Christian science and these people. It's not throw away your medicine. God had a Dr. Luke. I'm not against medicine. But I'm saying, any doctor will tell you, there's too many things out in this world I can't fix. We've got to have something called Dr. Jesus that's bigger than, man, this world's crazy. Okay, so it's not anything funny, flaky, or whatever. It's the most normal thing in the world. It's called Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Healing is fun. You'll have people at this point, all they understand about healing is called the gift of healing. And this is what they say. They don't get healed in the healing line theology, so they say, I guess God didn't want me healed. Or... Denominations like Pentecostal backgrounds who believe in healing, but they only know this one way and they don't know any other. So if they go up to a person and they have hands laid on them and that person has a tremendous gift of healing and they don't get it, they go sit down and they make their theological assumption, God doesn't want me healed. When in reality they tried one way and it's called the gift of healing. It's amazing. I've seen a lot of people healed. It works. For one reason or another, a light switch didn't come on. You don't stop there. That leads us to point number two. And that's not the gift of healing, but it's called the covenant of healing. Mark 16, 17, this is where every believer, it says, if you're a believer, you will. My favorite. Cast out demons. And then you will. Lay hands on the sick. This is something for believers to do. Y'all... Let me show you a little bit of the difference between the gift of healing and covenant healing. That's what we're talking about. Is in covenant healing or standing on God's promises, all of a sudden you make a stand for healing. It's like staking a claim. Does that make sense? You, you mark an area off and you say, I'm drawing a line. He healed all my diseases. He forgives me of all my sins, and you stake out a territory, and it's something where it's between you and God, and you don't necessarily need anyone else, but you do the healing scriptures where you get them so down in your spirit, and y'all can each take one of these. These are two pages in length, so get top and bottom. But it's where all of a sudden you get a scripture inside of you, and that scripture sets you free. It doesn't take all the healing scriptures. You don't have to have the whole page. Some people use the whole page. You just get one scripture, 
And you sit there and you think, God wrote that scripture in the Bible for me. And it jumps off the page to you. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever felt like there's a, a verse where God wrote it for you? Covenant of healing. Luke 13, 16. And hold your place here. We'll use it in the third one, which is coming up very rapidly. Jesus says something to her interesting in verse 16. He says, you're a daughter of Abraham. You're a covenant woman. And he says, the reason you should get healed is because of the Abrahamic covenant. Do you see what he does? He goes, this ought not be. You've got to study out Luke 13, 16 when you're studying healing. It's an interesting thing that he does here. All right, hold your place there. We'll come back to it. But look up Hebrews 4, verse 2. Now, in this type of approach, Hebrews 4, verse 2, it does not work. There is no obligation here on God's part in this particular type. Now, the other one, you may get blessed. You don't want to say lucky, but you may get... The other one, a lot of times the other person has a connection to God and it's a gift from God and God blesses you with it. But in Hebrews 4 verse 2, it's an interesting piece of theology when it says, we've had the good news preached to us. This is where it shows that not everybody is saved, just in the whole world everybody's going to heaven. It says we have the good news preached to us, but it does us no good. You see what I'm talking about? Look in Hebrews 4 verse 2. Because it was not what? The goodness, are you telling me the cross does no good? Yes, to some people. Why? Because it was not what? Mixed with faith. Jesus says you can speak to this mountain as long as you don't doubt in your heart. Y'all, James, the one who doubts is like the surf driven to let that man not expect to receive anything from God. It's got to be something where you're not with faith. You can't go up to God and say, I'm going to try this healing thing today. It won't work. Don't try it. It's got to be where something happens in your life, a commitment is drawn, and you say, God, I just believe it because it's in your word. It's not because I heard that crazy Bible study on February the whatever. It's just the fact that I believe it because it's in your word. I mix it with faith. The good news did something to bless me. In other words, good news did something to change me. If there's no faith, this verse seems to point out there's no <laughs> obligation on God's part. An interesting theological concept when you realize God is not moved by need. He is moved by faith. And if there is no faith, there's no obligation to God to move on his word, even though I'm convinced that God wants healing for you more than what you do. It's same example, praying for your family to be saved. You're out of food. You start naming the promises of God. That's the way that you're standing by faith. It takes persistence. I told you Luke 10, 19, I always wanted to see if it worked. Don't you ever find scriptures and you think they're funny? You can walk on all the power of the enemy. Nothing by any means will hurt you. If you get stung by a scorpion, it will not injure you. I mean, great scripture. Do we believe it? No, I run when I see him, right? My mother has been stung so many times. She gets stung in bed. She gets stung at the mouth. She gets stung. And I always wanted to know, does this scripture work? I came from that ideal of, is there a God? Da, 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 you know, you want to prove. And so you have a problem with healing? Join the crowd, I did too. I didn't believe it. I was like, that is that fanatical stuff and I am dignified and I am reserved and people will like my conventional Christianity. But you read some of these scriptures in the Bible and they're not that dignified. We had a scorpion 
stung me right over. And you know, you sit there and think where you get stung, it's right over your heart. It's like, oh, it's going to get my blood. And I knew I'd been stung by a scorpion. I was watching TV, and that was the feeling I had always waited for, pure liquid fire. I mean, that's what Mother described it. It went right through my body, got in my blood system, and I'm like, whoa, I mean, this is the full sting. I'm like, that was no ant. I tell you, I had been waiting for this challenge. By this point, there's no doubt there's a God. He's real. He heals. I've been on the mission field. I'm excited about him. Bill, do you find the scorpion? So, because you know what? I was setting myself up for something. I was not going to do what I was fixing to do in that back room and then have the devil tell me it wasn't a scorpion. I went back to the back room, and I am pumped. This is the one time I think I've handled it really well. I'm in the back room. A knot is immediately up there. I've got my hand on the knot, and I am going. How do you say this verse? I had it all memorized. I have authority. Is it power? Which way does it go? Because you've got to get those two words right. Because that's a big scriptural i got to do it out in NAS. Behold, I've given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpion and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will injure you. Oh, man, the sting was all through my body, going still. And I'm like, I'm going after this. It either works or it doesn't. I've got a knot, and I'm going, and I'm like, this is the, I mean, this is everything they said it would be. It was liquid fire pulsing through my body. You know what did it? Finally, after about five minutes, I'm quoting that scripture. The Lord has given me all authority over the power of the enemy, over serpents and scorpions, and this will not injure me. And I'm getting more aggressive and aggressive and going like this, and I hear a deal. I found it. It's a scorpion. And I knew I had it then. I'm like, he's giving me power and authority. Did you know within five minutes of quoting the word, no pain in it. It was like a knot. And I was like, so cool. I was like, it worked. It worked. I went to my mom. I said, did you ever get rid of one in five minutes? No. She goes, you'll fill them the next day. And I'm like, you know, you can take these verses, and if you'll do healing is fun, I always think it's the first response. You know, you just sit there and think, I've got to put the word to it. If you go, oh, and you cuss, it's not the best way to get the Spirit of the Lord flowing on the situation. <laughs> You know, you sit there with, the, you know, you start going into the scripture and it lets something go in the spiritual realm. Try it, but do it alone so people, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Second Kings 4 verse 29. Sometimes it does not work. It does not work for the best of the people. Elijah says, oh, your son died. It's a problem. Go lay my staff on him. Gehazi, go lay it on there. It says Gehazi went. He laid his staff on the guy and the guy jumped up and walked, right? Said he didn't do a darn thing. Didn't move. So Elijah thought, hey, I better quit just mechanically doing this. I better hear how to do it. So Elijah went and he laid on the guy and he what? He breathed into him. It was an amazing. They did the same thing in Acts. But the point is, sometimes you'll face a situation where Gehazi's staff doesn't work. And I'll tell you, you can sit there and say, I don't believe in this healing Bible study anymore. It didn't work. Or you can say, I'm not sure why it didn't work, but I believe the Bible. I want to show you when Jesus was faced with this. In Mark verse 8, verse 22, I think this is one of the most unusual scriptures in the Bible. Mark 8, verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida, 
And they brought him a blind man, and they entreated Jesus, touching. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting in his eyes, I mean, that's the first thing, you just spit on him. <laughs> laying his hands on him, he asked him, do I see anything? Y'all, point number one is he had had a big miracle. The man was blind, cold stone blind. And when he laid hands on him, all of a sudden, the man could see images. Men as trees walking. But y'all don't miss the point of the story. It's the humility of Jesus. Because he was all power. He is all power. There's no lack in him. But he had enough humility, he said, do you see? I think that amazes me that he looks at the man, he's laid hands on the man, and he has enough humility that he asks him, do you see anything yet? Does that show you what the point I'm making? Sometimes it takes a little persistence. Man, I'm telling you, if it took Jesus two touches, you see what I'm saying? There's a little bit of a gap there for us. <laughs> because the first one got results. Y'all, sometimes you're going to be in a persistent thing pushing on through. I think the most humble, incredible thing Jesus did to him was lay hands on him, spit on him, and say, do you see anything? I see better. And a second touch. And it's called persistence in the spiritual realm. It's the key to healing. Because if you get into this stuff of why didn't it work, why didn't God do this, you know what you're focusing on? Think about it. You're focusing on why did my prayer not work? Why did my prayer not, why did my, Jesus didn't get into why did verse 23 not work? Why did my prayer not, do? I don't give a rip why my prayer didn't work. It, it's not important to me why. The importance is sticking with it till you get the desired results. You know, the persistent judge beat on the door till you... It's something in the spiritual realm where if you give up and go to bed, that's it. But it's a persistence. You know, Daniel did it, and you don't have to look it up. Daniel 3.17, those three guys say, If you throw me in the... They said, I will not bow down. They say to him, He will deliver us. You know what I'm saying then, Daniel? He will deliver us. But notice what they say. But if he does not, I still will not bow. Let me tell you, that is the secret to healing that I've found through the years. God will do it. But if he will not, I will still believe God heals. Because I'm telling you something that I've found out. If there's anything in you that the devil can say, well, if it doesn't work on this person, then you don't believe anymore, I guarantee it, the devil will see to it something doesn't work that you see. And you will be crying tears, and it'll be a low blow, it'll be something close to home. And if I could give you a piece of advice that I've seen, you settle this issue before you're looking at something sick. You settle this issue before you're, you're working on healing. You settle an issue inside of yourself. God, if I go to my grave, sick, Dead, broken up, killed, squashed, whatever. Though every man be found a liar, let God be found true. And the proof of the pudding of what I talk about is not my track record. It's God's word. You see where we're going? Because the healing is God's word. If there's a mistake, I don't know why. 
but I don't change my theology. I stick to a very simple gospel. He forgives all my iniquities, and he heals all my diseases. God doesn't change. He is the healer. He's impartial. If he did it for one, he'll do it for all. Jesus went about and he healed them all. And there's something that comes to you that when you settle that issue in your theological heart of hearts and you say, God, would I ever see it work? I've heard people tell me they started their first healing line by having months of no one getting healed. Sometimes they get worse when you pray. And there's an issue that you settle and say, it does not depend on the results. It only matters the word of God. And when you settle that inside yourself and say the word of God, it is around where you pass it inside your heart. It's not a head thing. It's in your heart. And you say it's a settled issue. I'm going to believe it. You know the devil will back off of you and not mess with you because there's no one he can drop dead that changes your theology then. Your theology is built on the word of God and what the word says. If you're not establishing healing, that's fine. Sit there and say, I'm not there yet. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm getting the scriptures out. Does the Bible say that? What bothers me, there's more scriptures on healing in some of these things than there is on salvation. But we'll believe John 3.16, but these other ones are doubtful because we're basing it on what we, and it's the word of God. It's either all true or it's not true. Hebrews 10 verse 38, God says, he's dealing with the faith issue here. And he says, my righteous one shall live by faith. But if he, what? If he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God is not under obligation to a good start. Is it true that God knows the future? There's no time or space with God. We're on this timeline, but probably he's not. Unless you're in some courses at higher pain, they get you a little confused on that issue. But for the most general consensus, we know that God knows the future for knowledge. Can we kind of agree with that? So if he does in Hebrews 10 verse 38, then he also knows if you're going to shrink back in the future. So if your start's good, it doesn't matter. It's your finish that, that determines the course. He doesn't give you a reward for a good start. God knows the future. So if you ever give up, it's like you gave up in the beginning and it cancels the policy. Do you see what I'm talking about? It's a place you come to when you're praying for people that you're like, it didn't matter what the outcome of this. I have one commission and God told me to do it and the results are in his hand because I can't do it anyway. And if I think I can, I'm fooling myself. So in simple Childlike obedience. I just do what God tells me to do. And if they die, I cry with them. I'm not hard-hearted. I, I cry tears. But I tell you, I'm like a doctor that loses someone on the operation table. I'm going to try to sit there and find out what to do better the next time. And so I'm constantly studying what makes healing work. The intensity of your persistence. There's points of contact, taking communion, having hands laid on you, James 5, verse 14. Just laying in bed one day when all of a sudden I heard the song, the blood, it was enough. I was so sick, the temperature, and I realized, it was like the Lord said, do I have to die twice? And I said, no, sir. Uh, no, sir. And there was something about the word where it came into me and it was an instant thing. I jumped out of bed and I thought, I couldn't have made that happen. If, but there, when I heard it was enough, it changed me. Number three, 
If the first two don't work, always try this one. If all else fails, cast it out. <laughs> John 5, 14, it says that sin a lot of times leaves an open door to keep someone from getting their healing. Jesus told him, you got healed? You want to keep your healing? Don't sin anymore. So I'm telling you, don't be bad. Jesus says sin leaves an open door for healing. But a lot of people that get into the prayer of healing, they always pray for healing, but they do very little of what I'm talking about here. And I think it's a big omission. You cannot pray for a healing when you're dealing with the Spirit. Sometimes when a person is sick, it is not an individual sin problem. A lot of times it is Adam and Eve were all open to it. It came in at the result of the thing. I'm not into the whys and the whats. I'm just saying, God bless them. And there's no, that is not, Jesus said, they didn't sin, okay? So we're clear there. But it also says, if you continue in a sin, there's certain sins that open the door to certain diseases. We, we know that. Health class, yes. Okay, not all sins, some sins. So don't get out of here saying I say people they're sick or in sin because I've been sick that it hurt my feelings if you said that about me. Okay, <laughs> second thing is generational curse. There are certain diseases that pass down family lines. If every man in your family died at 50, you need to break that curse. If four out of five have diabetes, you need to break that curse. I'm telling you, we're looking at a generational thing here. That's another whole teaching. But sometimes you're dealing with nervous breakdowns, cancer, and y'all, it is not something you're battling on your own. You're battling a generational thing that is passed down through your family and the devil, for some reason, thought he had a legal opening in your family. Number three in Luke 13, Jesus looked at that woman, bent over double, like this. 18 years, and I think it's funny, he calls it 18 long years. And he does something I would have never thought. I would have thought for sure this lady bent over double needed a healing. Not so. He said that's what's wrong with her, that spirit of infirmity is caused by a what? What does it say in 11? He says, woman, what's bothering you is caused by a Let's say the word, demonic spirit. And a lot of times you can pray all day long and all you're doing is praying the band-aid to cover the wound or the flesh to close over the problem, but you got the roots still there. Y'all, think with me. What kind of diseases in the Bible, I'm not talking about my opinion, but it seems to be that when Jesus dealt with them, he didn't deal with them as a healing, he dealt with them as a spirit. You remember some of them? Fever? epilepsy, that guy that it looked like epilepsy, he, he was mute. He dealt with muteness, death and muteness as a spirit on a couple occasions. I'm not saying all of it, some of it. The guy was suicidal. He threw himself in the fire. It said it, it made him go still. Sometimes, you all, I'm saying it's, it's a back pocket weapon, and it comes by understanding a discernment of spirits of what you're dealing with. It may be a healing. It may be a deliverance. The lady bent double, I think that's shocking to me that bent double doesn't seem like a demon spirit, but evidently she had something sitting on her in the spirit realm for 18 years. And he says, shouldn't this daughter of Abraham be free? And he delivers her. When you're dealing with something, you may be approaching healing as something where 
Okay, like that man in Guatemala, he said, oh, why a lot of Americans do not see people healed is they sit there in their prayer life like this. God, if it be thy will, in the name of Jesus, I'm just praying. Jesus didn't do it that way. He looked straight at the thing, and he said, ears, be open. I see. And he spoke. It said, speak to the mountain. Don't speak about it. And that Guatemalan missionary taught me more in a moment's time is the fact we're turning into begging police when Jesus didn't do that. He said, come out of there. Lazarus, come forth. He spoke directly to a situation using the full authority of Jesus' name. It says, heaven will back you up. You do it in my name, and it says, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you lose. He looked at that woman, and what did he say? He used the same word. Woman, be loosed. Spirit infirmity, be gone in the name of Jesus. The one thing I felt like the Lord told me to tell you is a lot of times... You'll actually see this in the spiritual realm, and I don't know who this is for, but you'll be dealing with the spirit of death. And there's something in Revelations where it talks about a spirit of death, and he came, and he was pale, and he rode a, a horse. But the spirit of death is literally a spirit. And sometimes you will see that thing come over something, and you'll see it come over the face, and you've got to take authority and command the spirit of death to leave. And you're dealing with an actual spirit in that case. I could go into stories where, especially that girl who fell off the horse, and we watched her. She turned this funniest color I've ever seen. Blood's pouring out her ears. She had, on the horse, she had hit her head on the post. They knew because her skull was bleeding that she had damaged her skull. And the first thing I did when everybody was hysterical, we thought she's died on her property. She went into convulsions, and she turned gray, and she... I think her spirit left her body. I really do. I've never seen anything like that. My dad takes a long way around because the Lord told him it's going to look bad when you get there. Don't go by what your eyes see. Got over where the girl was, and he said to her, he spoke directly to her, he started taking authority over that spirit of death, and he commanded her to come back to her body. And she came back, and by the time we got her to the hospital, the bleeding had quit out of the ear. And what they couldn't figure out is they said for it to come out of the ear like that, there had to be a crack in the skull with that much blood. And her whole ear was bloody, but they did x-ray after x-ray, and there was no, and she hit full force on a stump. So I don't know who that's for, but I want you to realize there's such a thing as a gift of healing. It does not take less faith to go to someone. That's a gift. God gave it to the body. Number two, covenant healing. Number three, a spirit. And I started realizing good has very little to do with the whole situation. Good doesn't get you saved, and good doesn't get you healed. Amen. Well, the Lord spoke to my spirit to pull out this audio recording from many years back, and that somebody needed what was in it. So here it is from the year 2000, and as we went back through the material, we could see that it's relevant for today. So someone out there listening needs to hear the message that we gave, that good doesn't get you saved and good doesn't get you healed, and that there's many ways that a person can be healed. And so I hope you've enjoyed it today, but there was something very important that I wanted to tell you. And so as Paul Harvey would say, here's the rest of the story, the story that I opened it with, that my friend's mother 
had a miracle happen in her life that she is still living to this day, that cancer did not take her life. And so this famous woman who's a comedian, motivational speaker, a woman who dearly loves God, has a tremendous testimony, is still fighting the good fight. So after all these years, this is how this story ends, a testimony that God's healing power works for today. Amen.